Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. take a few minutes and share with you what I know that God has put in my heart to share with you today. Simply entitled, The Lesser Light Will Rule the Night. Genesis 1.16. I'm reading from the King James and it says this. And God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I just just want to unburden my heart with what you've burdened it with. Holy Spirit, you're, you're the real teacher. You're the one who guides us into all truth. We just release you to do what you do so well. This morning's message was dependent upon me. We've already failed. But if we lean to you, Father, then you, you, through your spirit, can do wonders in our hearts. And so we do that. I bind everything that would hinder, Father. And I declare this word to be true, that no weapon formed against us this morning shall prosper. And your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. Amen. God made two lights, the greater to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night. We know that this is early in Genesis, but it would be foolish to think that he was pointing out the obvious. How many knows that God does not point out the obvious? Anybody ever had an obvious question posed to you? I was broke down at the side of the road. Hood was up on my truck a number of years ago. I'm standing in front looking at it. Some guy pulls up. You having car trouble? No. Just wanted to look at my engine. I figure if he's going to ask that kind of a dumb question, how much help is he going to be? You know what I'm saying? Just long, thin one on the right. Just go ahead and leave. Walking up a sidewalk with somebody, and the dog had... in the middle of the sidewalk. And they said, how'd that get there? I don't have time to explain. It's there. It's there. Deal with it. God was not giving us an astronomy lesson.
Jesus himself said to work while it is yet day because the night is coming when no man can work. He's, he's talking about something more than just the sun and the moon. He's talking about light. He's talking about rule. Early on, he's, he's starting to lay a foundation about light and about ruling. Because he knows that at one point in time, Jesus is going to come to this planet and declare himself to be the light of the world. And then before he leaves, he says, now you are the light of the world. He's the greater, we're the lesser. And he's letting us know that the struggle we see happening in the world is a struggle of light and darkness. It's, 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 it's not a struggle of blacks against whites and, and whites against Hispanics. It's not a struggle against Democrats and Republicans. Though you can see the real struggle show up in those relationships, that isn't the struggle. The struggle is about who's going to rule, dark or light? Is darkness going to have its way or is light going to have its way? And he established this truth. But like with any truth, if you don't believe it and make it your own truth, then it doesn't become your reality. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God, even early in Genesis, gave you and I something. He established this truth that the greater light will rule the day. And the lesser light will rule the dark, the, the night. That's an established fact by God. Now, you and I need to align ourselves with that for that to be true in our life, but that's an established fact by God. And that the battle is won about light and about ruling. This is not a political statement. Hear me. But it is not a coincidence that we have 21 people running for the office of the President of the United States. 20 of them are pro-abortion. One of them is pro-life. Just earlier this week, there was an invitation sent out by one political party embracing all of those who are not bent with religion. 
as if being a Christian is a bad thing. Who's going to rule the night? It's a battle of darkness and light. And who's going to rule? And the only way that darkness rules is through the absence of light. Darkness is one of those unique elements that it literally is not composed of anything except the absence of something. Think about that for a moment. You cannot produce, you cannot put anything together to produce darkness. The only way you produce darkness is to extract light. If we wanted to make it dark in here, we would not only turn off the lights, but we would cover the shades and put blacking material over the windows and, and, and things around the doors. And every place that light would try to seep in, we would cover it because that's the only way you create darkness is to extract light. And the only way for there to be darkness is for there to be an absence of light. And so I, I, I find it intriguing that we Christians sometimes are the loudest voices speaking about the darkness that is enveloping our world when we're the light. The only way the darkness can come in is for you and I to step back. The only way for the darkness to come in is for you and I to be quiet. For you and I, even Jesus himself said it, is for you and I to hide our light under a bushel basket. To consciously choose to not let your light shine. I know it was a kid's song, but it might help us to go back to singing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Because it's only when we refuse to shine that there comes darkness. There is nothing darkness can do against the light. There is no way, if, if I took a, if it were possible to take a candle out into space, the, the vastness and darkness of space, and I were to light a candle, that vastness and darkness of space would not extinguish that candle. That candle would extinguish the darkness in its area of influence. So I love you enough to ask you this question. I know how it can get in life. You can get busy. And listen, if we're not careful, life can get down to the point that all we're doing is paying bills and cutting the grass and doing laundry and, and washing the dishes. 
If we're not careful, life will boil down to going to a job and, and fixing the car. So I ask you, is your light shining? The lesser light, he's speaking about the moon. There's a quality about the moon that is different. There's a greater light, which was the sun, and there's a lesser light, which is the moon. And the quality about the moon is that the moon doesn't give any light. It only reflects. It doesn't have any capacity to create light. You know the analogy? The analogy is religion. You can't create relationship out of religion. You, you, you end up walking in darkness. You end up spreading darkness. The moon does nothing but reflect. There are, it goes through seasons, and there are times when you look up in the sky and there's no moon, or there's a little sliver of a moon. And other times you look up and there's a quarter of a moon or a half of a moon. And I think we all know that the moon isn't just up there in pieces. And then there are times when we look up and you see the full moon. And it's funny when you, you go onto Google and you Google moon and you click on images there's no images that I found in the first three pages of the moon when it's just a sliver or gone. They're all big pictures. You and I, being the moon that are to reflect the love of God, the light of God. You see, it's called the lesser light because, number one, it doesn't have any light, but it only reflects what the sun gives. And I want to tell you something. God is looking for people who know they're nothing. Got nothing to give. But they're here to reflect God. I shared the story with you before. I won't go into all the details. But here recently we had a chance to pray with a lady in, in, in a store. And prayed with her and instantly, physically, her miracle manifested. When I'm done praying, she looks at herself and, and it's, it's fully manifested. And she looks at me and she says, who are you? And I said, who I am could not be more irrelevant to this conversation. Here's your takeaway. There's a God in heaven who loves you. And he's the one that touched you. He's the one that reached down here and saw you in your need. And he's the one that directed me to come over and simply be the conduit for his glory and his love to hit you. That's what you need to take away from this. That's what happened. It's not about a man or a woman. It's about, it's about God. And God is looking for a people if they, if they will just humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their evil ways then he will hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land then he can shine on us 
You see, when you, you're full of yourself or you're full of religion or you're full of agenda, then, then there's no shining going on. You're just a little sliver of a moon. If the only time you shine is when you come to church. We used to call it hypocrite. We should still call it hypocrite. It's a good word. You hypocrite. Don't, don't judge me. Jesus called people hypocrites. All right? I'm being like Jesus. <laughs> My wife and I have endeavored in all of our ministry to just, you know, we're never going to be perfect. We just endeavor to be real. Just, just be real. I, I encourage you, if you're going to be ugly at any time during your week, be ugly in here. Being at church ought to be your ugliest. Fake it out there until you make it. But then get ugly in church so God can fix you. Amen? Be real. Be honest. Be open with God. Throw yourself at him. Go after him with all that you have. Don't be that little sliver of the moon in the sky that you shine a light a little bit. I would have gotten saved years earlier than I did. I had a man in my life, he was a friend of my brother's, his name was Jim, and my brother had gotten saved, and Jim was saved, and I'll never forget them sitting on the front porch of Jim's house, and they're talking to me about my need for God, and, and man, I was right there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was right there, but I wasn't decided, and... I said, guys, I just got to chew on this. Jim is a very fatherly type of figure. He said, I understand. Jim also knew that I owned a company. I had some pretty unsavory guys that worked for me <laughs> at that time. And Jim goes, anyway, I can, I can spot some weed from one of the guys that worked for you. here was my thought here was right or wrong here was my thought I don't even do drugs and you say you're you're okay with God and I'm wrong with God but I don't smoke dope I don't get high and you do what's wrong with this picture no, I, I understand there's all sorts of errors in that thinking but you know as an unbeliever you, the enemy will give you that horse to ride on and it, I rode that horse for a while. I'm not going to get saved for somebody who's in more bondage than I am. At least it seemed. Don't be that sliver of a moon. Empty yourself. Empty yourself of everything. Every spot. Every wrinkle. So that you can reflect the love of God. And the light of God. John 8. I want to read a story to you you're familiar with, but I think God's going to shed new light on it for us. John 8, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught.
taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he had heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And too often the people stop reading right there, but the story continues. Then he spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Here's what happens. He goes to the temple. That's kind of their answer for the church back in the day. When you really want to get the truth in a message, you really want to slow down and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate every detail. He's going to the temple. He's going to the church because he wants to talk to the church people. Are you ready? So he's aiming. <laughs> at us and he's in the church somebody says well he didn't bring the woman he knew she would be there he knew what was coming down he's in the temple teaching and they bring a woman to him and says the law says that should she, she should be stoned He knows a trap, but he also knows an opportunity. Actuality, the Bible doesn't say she should be stoned. Go back and read it. She was caught in the act. You know what that means? There were two. And when the law was given, it was said that when they were caught in the act, they should be stoned. And so they ask him, what should we do? And I've heard so many sermons and messages and conjurings up about what he wrote in the sand. I'll tell you why it's not important what he wrote in the sand. If it was important, he would have told us what he wrote in the sand. It meant nothing. It could have been tic-tac-toe. irrelevant then he says something you, you, you can't miss this he said 
he that's among you without sin throw a stone at her. And here's a question you have to ask. There was one person in that group that fit that description. And they didn't throw the stone. Jesus. Why didn't he throw the stone? Because he was going to show us a new and better way. He could have thrown the stone. And he didn't. In just a few moments, he's going to have lots of stones that are being delivered right near him. And stones start hitting the ground and people turn and walk away. And, and I'm going to paraphrase to make it easier to understand. He stands back up and he looks at the woman and he says, where are your accusers? She says, they're gone. He says, go. Sin no more. I don't condemn you. The story doesn't stop there. He tells her and everybody listening why he doesn't condemn her. I'm the light of the world. What does that mean? He's saying, I know why you did what you did. You were walking in darkness. And I just brought light into your life. And that light empowers you to go and sin no more. He's, he's, he's establishing something that the light will rule the darkness. It just has to be displayed. And the darkness in her life but listen, it, listen, this really wasn't about her. You've got to get this. Where was he? He was in the temple. These guys that brought her to him were the temple people. This message is about them. The darkness in their heart. He said, I know why you do what you do. You do that because you walk in darkness and now that I've brought light to you, go and sin no more. You need to understand he was not only speaking that to her, he was telling that to the church. Because it says he said to them, go back and read it, he said to them, I brought light to this. He's the greater light ruling the day, but the night is now upon us, and God is looking for the lesser light to rule the night and that lesser light is you and I the works that I have done Jesus said greater than these shall you do so go shine be the light I can tell you from personal experience if you do not intentionally 
try to be the light, you'll go dark. If it's not intentional, if you don't purpose your heart, last number of years of my life, nearly every day, I pray this to God. Put me in front of somebody I can share you with. Give me something to say to somebody. Let me do something that helps somebody. And if you're not intentional about being the light, you'll grow dark. You'll get up and you'll go through your day and you'll get done at the end of the day and your garage is clean and the grass is cut and the bills are paid and the wife has been hugged and you've played with the kids and as good as all that may be, people without God do all that. But we're more than that. I think it was two weekends ago, maybe last weekend, I don't remember. And I'm all close. We, um, a number of years ago, I don't remember if it was three, four, five, six years ago, something had drawn us to Malvern, Ohio. I don't know if you know where that's at. You got to go to nowhere and turn right. Okay? It's about an hour. Last weekend, maybe the weekend before, the family and Aaron were, were driving down in that direction. I think it's the next time that we've ever been down there. And we're out in some little country road because there are no big roads between here and Malvern, Ohio. I mean, there's like only eight people live in town, you know. And we're, we're driving down the road, and I see a garage sale sign. And just like you, I'm tempted of the enemy. Anybody else like a garage sale? Yeah, my people. But I, it's, we're, we're kind of on our way to someplace, and we got a later start than we wanted to, and it's taking longer than we wanted it to take. And I'm doing 55 miles an hour down this little country road, and there was a little sign that said garage sale. And for a split second, I was tempted. And I just kept driving, and just no more than got past it. When I felt the Holy Spirit start to tug on me. So I take my foot off the accelerator, and the Holy Spirit says, we told him we'd be back. slowing down I said we want to go back to the garage sale I, I feel like we're supposed to go back there and I turn around driveway and we drive back to the house and I'm thinking we told him we'd be back I pull in the driveway and then it looks familiar it's a house that sits a little bit off the road it's not well kept up Everything's overgrown. You can't hardly see the house from the road. It's pretty junky. It's one of those garage sales that they probably set up every weekend. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Trying to sell you that old VHS player. <laughs> and a couple of tapes to go with it. And I remember the story. Gail Best reminded, she, 
she remembered it first and she started to tell me and then I remembered the story we had been there years and years ago and we had stopped at the garage sale and we learned that this couple his name was Paul her name was Mary Lou both of them had cancer and she was in the house and she was all but bedfast with the cancer and as he shared his story, you know, that just our heart broke for that. And I, I, I asked him, I said, would you, would you mind if we, we prayed for you guys? He's the only man in my life of 35 years of ministry who's ever told me no. He said, no, I don't believe in that. I said, you don't need to believe in it. I do. And if we pray... And then he went on to tell us why he doesn't believe. 30 years earlier, his daughter had gotten killed up the road being hit by a train. And he found her. And ever since that day, he's been bitter at God for killing his daughter. I'm sure we shared with him that God didn't kill your daughter. He's a God of life and not death. I remember I pushed him to let us pray for him and his wife. I said, it's not going to cost you nothing. It's not going to hurt. He refused. We got ready to leave, and I felt prompted of the Holy Spirit to tell him, listen, buddy, we'll be back. And I honestly forgot all about it until last weekend. We're driving down the road, and I see a garage sale sign. And the Holy Spirit says, we told him we'd be back. The we is me and Gail Beth and the Holy Spirit. So we get out and we talk to him and we tell him the story. Ask him again if we can pray for him. Absolutely not. He won't budge. I press a little bit. He's not giving. But we do see a softening. Because as we tried to leave, he kept following us and talking. How does that fit into this message? Why? I don't know, but why, 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 why us? Why? Is, is it because God has nobody else near there to pull them in? I mean, we live an hour away. We go that way once every five or six years. This is the only second time ever we went that direction in our whole life. Why? And then with that story, I'm asking you a question. Does God got to send somebody from an hour away to your neighbors? Come on. 
others know. I love you, church. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If. He told us to go. Let your light shine. He told us to let our light shine. Does God have to send somebody from an hour away? And surely he's got to have better people than me and Gail Beth to send. I mean, that's a lot of people in an hour circle of Malvern, Ohio. Things cannot be that pathetic in the body of Christ. <laughs> that that's what you got. I mean, it's like looking at David's fantasy football team. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Why would you pick those guys? At least Jeff picked guys with good-looking hair, okay? That was Jeff's criteria. He knows nothing about football. He said, I'm going to pick this guy. He's got good hair. That's a good plan, Jeff. Run with that. Can't wait to play you this year. Listen, church, has God got to send somebody an hour away to your neighbor? Be the light. Be the light. Don't just get on Facebook and complain about this person's darkness and that person's darkness. We've been called to be the light. Be the light to somebody. Be the light. Be willing to stand in front of them. Be willing to share. Be bold. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.